The Bloody Podcastacre with Zach Walters and Kennedy Catherine. I've had my hair up for about, uh, since I got home from a wedding on Saturday night. You and me both. And I took it down right before I came, and it's already insufferable. Summer is no time to have hair. This just came out of nowhere. This heat? Yes. I know, and it's been a real heck of a two weeks. We're going into week two. But like even this morning, what, it was 23 degrees Celsius when I was leaving for work? And that felt cold to me today. I literally was walking to my car, and I was like... Oh, there's a breeze. It's like kind of chilly. Mm-hmm. No. And if you guys can hear some beautiful ambient outside noises, it's because we refuse to relinquish the windows here today. Yeah. Keeping them open. I've had my air conditioner on high since I got home yesterday. And it's still like... Oh, yeah. It wasn't bad when I had it on beforehand. It was like cool in here when it was constantly running. I just like, I needed to cool down just a little bit. I don't think I could live in like a tropical place. This is going to sound extremely privileged, because it is. People who live without AC right now, I don't know how they're doing it. I, so I was visiting my parents for the past week, and they have central air, air conditioning. And it was just like, you would walk outside, and it's just like, you would feel that, like, wall wall of heat. And I was like, I didn't leave this on while I left, because I was like, I'm not going to let it run. But I honestly should have mm-hmm. for nine days. And... <laughs> I came into my apartment. I was just like, <gasps> I, can't I was like, breathe. God. And I was like, I feel so bad for my cat. Oh, he wasn't here, just to be clear to everybody. He was yeah, with you. He was with me in the air conditioning. I don't know how people do it. And I was like, should I be one of those pe- one of those people who puts like tin foil on their window? I think extreme times call for extreme measures. If you have to do it, do it. You're right. I'll go to the dollar store and pick up some. The only time it feels actually cool in our place is at night because during the day. Two people working from home in a pretty small house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets warm. And so I'm like refusing to turn on my oven for the next no however kidding. long. Because as soon as I turn that on, it's like, well, heat stroke in my own apartment. I will not suffer in my own home. I don't know what you just said. <laughs> I will not suffer in my own home. Oh. You know who was really suffering in her own home? Amelia, the mom from the <laughs> Babadook. <laughs> what a shit life that woman had. Wow, you really said Queen I'm going to tie this in and we're going to move on because yep. the heat passed us. I can't put up with it anymore, and so nope. I'm going to have to motor through this episode. Um, I watched this movie when it first came out. Like, I remembered it, but I think I just remembered the ending and what it was fully encompassing versus, like, the actual movie itself. Mm-hmm. All of the media portrayal of the Duke. How he's a gay icon. The B in LGBT is for the Babadook. Mm-hmm. Did you know that you can buy special Pride Edition DVDs? Yes, because they messed up. What? Well, they so they accidentally put Netflix, accidentally put the Babadook. <laughs> Bless you. That was... Dainty, oh. but also violent. And like... Very femme sneeze. <laughs> but also people who performatively sneeze i have no respect for it you know when you're in an office and you hear someone like four offices over be like and you're like why did you have to do that i sneezed in my office today this morning what like that no but it sounded like a dog barked (laughs) 
I was like, oh, I was like, oh, okay. And I was so embarrassed because I like I always hold my sneezes in. Yeah. Because I'm just like, like when I'm around other people, I like to hold my sneezes in. But if I'm alone, like a little girl sneeze. Silly with a sneeze. Right. But I was I was trying to hold it in, and when I barked it uh it caught me off guard and i think it caught other people off guard i'm sure it did i just stared at the floor for a while like in shame anyways the babadook um yes you're right sorry when you said they made a mistake i thought you meant about the the dvds no No, they put it on netflix under lgbtq (laughs) films and everyone was like what (laughs) wait how um and people on tumblr started to put together some stuff of subtext that you can find in the film like how babadook is just such a queen Icon. You know what I realized watching this? I was like, Babadook has some cringers. He and Krampus have the same fingers. Yep. And a top hat, really. And you know who the original cringer really is? Tell me. The Grinch. You're right. Mm-hmm. I think the Grinch and Krampus could be, we are saying every movie we can think of today. <laughs> um, Siblings. Yeah. Or like long distance relatives. You know, like, like seventh cousins. Yeah, maybe twice removed. I could see that. They both hate Christmas. Yes. That's kind of the purpose of their lives is to destroy Christmas. They're both targeted towards children. Cindy Lou who? Anyways, um, the only thing, there's two things that I vividly remember from this movie. Okay. That I hated this child more than anything in this whole world. I still do. Me too. I thought maybe I was just being, I was just being like ignorant to the story and everything, but rewatching it, I was like. No, he, he he's can, awful. He can get beat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, related to the child, there was the one scene at the end where he's doing the magic trick with his mother, mm-hmm. and he does this little dance after. Do you remember watching that? Yeah. What? Why did he do that? He was excited. I hated him. Do you remember? It was before TikTok came out. Okay. And it was called. Couldn't tell you. Musically. No, because Musically is still TikTok. Oh, I didn't. They just rebranded because oh my god! Wow. Um, <laughs> you can you can find me under my old musically on TikTok. Um, I don't have that username. That I, is true. I can't. I did. Yeah, I can't access that. And those were musicallys that I was trying to do to see what the app was like, and now I can't get rid of that account. There was this app, and it was I think it was called like. This is gonna sound it. Diddly 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 do. Okay. <laughs> Something like that. There, you used to be able to, <laughs> do you remember this? No. So there used to be this meme that went around. It would just take a character or a person and you could just type in whatever words you wanted and there was this AI that sang a song to you. Okay. okay. And I remember that somebody made this one of the Babadook. Can you play it? Yes. <laughs> Okay, so there was so many of these. The Babadook is one thick B. Let me see that Babosi. Or you could choose that sound and type whatever you wanted to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that's my one vivid memory of the Babadook. the Babadook is that song. I love how when you put anything in a certain context, it sounds like a swear word. Like Babosi, Cussy, Ursi yeah. in all of these songs. That means nothing. No. Um, can I just read the synopsis yeah we can just get through this so we start with uh sc davis otherwise known as amelia in this movie 
Amelia is a troubled, exhausted widow raising her six-year-old son, Samuel, alone. Her husband was killed in an accident the night he drove her to the hospital to give birth. Her son, Sam, becomes an insomniac, preoccupied with an imaginary monster who he's building weapons to fight. One night, Sam asks his mother to read a pop-up book called Mr. Babadook. It describes the monster, a tall, pale-faced humanoid in a top hat with taloned fingers that torments its victims after they become aware of his existence. Amelia is disturbed as Sam becomes convinced the Babadook is real. Sam's persistence about the Babadook leads Amelia to have sleepless nights comforting him. As we can predict, strange things start happening. Doors open and close by themselves, strange sounds are heard, and Amelia finds glass shards in their food. She rips up the book and disposes of it. On the drive home from Amelia's niece's birthday, where tension was high, Sam has another vision of the Babadook and suffers a seizure. Amelia is able to get sedatives from his pediatrician after explaining that they've not been sleeping. The following morning, she finds the Mr. Babadook book reassembled on the front doorstep. New words taunt her by saying that the Babadook will become stronger if she continues to deny its existence, containing pop-ups of her killing her dog, then Sam, and then herself. She becomes more isolated and shut in, becoming impatient, shouting at Samuel for disobeying her constantly and having frequent visions of the Babadook. Her mental state slowly declines and she becomes erratic, cutting the phone line with a knife and waving that same knife aggressively at Sam. This devolves into disturbing hallucinations where Amelia violently murders Sam. Shortly after these visions, Amelia sees an apparition of her husband who offers to return to her if she brings the boy to him. Realizing that he is a creation of the Babadook, she flees. Under its influence, she breaks the dog's neck and attempts to kill Sam. Eventually luring her into the basement, Sam knocks her out. Tied up, Amelia awakens with Sam terrified nearby. When she tries to strangle him, he caresses her face and she seemingly expels the Babadook. When Sam reminds her that you can't get rid of him, an unseen force drags him into Amelia's bedroom. She is forced by the Babadook to re-watch a vision of her husband's death. Furious, she confronts the monster, forcing the beast into the basement and locking the door behind it. Amelia and Sam manage to recover. She becomes attentive and caring, impressed by his magic tricks once again. They gather earthworms in a bowl, and Amelia takes them to the basement where the Babadook lives. She places the bowl on the floor for the Babadook to eat. As the beast tries to attack her, she calms it down, and it retreats to the corner, taking the earthworms with it. She returns to the yard to celebrate her son's birthday. About the Sorry, I feel like I had something to say, but now I don't remember. You looked gone, checked out, dimmed lights, off. I really kind of was, but I was trying to... Th- I There was something that you said that I was like, oh... It is gone now. Great. So, the Babadook. Yes. A manifestation of grief. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah, it's one of those... We've been doing a lot. Well, not a lot, but there's a lot of movies where you realize that they're actually quite sad when you dig a little deeper and you find, other than surface level of it just being a scary movie. And I don't know if I'm liking it anymore. Right? I know. Like, it's, it's fun. It's like a nice, like, underlying plot those things are terrifying to deal with but like i don't want to have to like go through the inner workings of this yeah well i think because we haven't done what we need to do is some creature features and some slasher films because i think we both have a tendency to like to love things that are psychological Mm -hmm. and supernatural and with our approach to things we tend to file supernatural under psychological because ghosts we yeah. often argue, is just the manifestation of mental illness. 
That is true. So. And this is just another one. It is. It's interesting because I think a lot of the time in this movie, it's supposed to be the mother's grief. It's also the son's grief because he's also grieving in other ways as in he's not sleeping. He's. Well, and yeah, and he's like grieving a life that he never knew. I mean, his dad died before he was born, but his young cousin makes fun of him for not having a dad. Mm -hmm. And he knows he's a bit of an outcast at school. And his mom is like objectively not being a great parent. I've never been a parent. I think neither have I. This woman is under intense mental stress. But Amelia, girl, Um, take an Ativan and get some, some sleep. Go talk to somebody. Please. Um, so Jennifer Kent, the one, who, it, she's the one who directed it. Did she also write it? I think she I, did. I think so. Um, she was worried that people were not going to like Amelia as a character and that she was an awful mother. But she said that she's aware that she's not the best mother in the world, but that that's the point because not every parent is this perfect example of what a parent should be because she was saying like she's also not a parent neither am i neither are you um but that she sees a lot of her friends and family who are parents and that it is like a very hard and never-ending thing to deal with but she's like hoping that it would be like a sense of reassurance that that women don't have to be this perfect portrayal of what quote-unquote a mother is supposed to be not saying like that you should threaten to kill your children. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't advocate but like that. that you don't have to be this perfect housewife. I don't know, stereotype A, B, C, D. And I don't think Amelia is one, in my opinion, a hundred percent unlikable. She's a very sympathetic character mm-hmm. because it's not difficult to see why she's going through a super hard time. And her kid sucks. Yeah. He's super cute at the end. And no. He, oh, you don't think so? I don't think so at all. I, I think he he's the most annoying at the end. But I think he was made... I don't think we're supposed to sympathize with that character very much, that child. Well, I don't. So... So, great. Mission accomplished. <laughs> Mish, they checked that box for me. Mm-hmm. It is it is nice to see that the kid is, like, still caring for his mother, even though she's literally being awful to him. I mean, it is nice, but it's also sad, because that's just true. I think that kids... I mean... Kids don't really know what to do with their caretakers. Like, mm-hmm. whatever position they're put in emotionally, they're going to attune themselves to that. So if they're in a situation where they're made to feel like they have to validate this person's emotions and they have to take care of themselves and all those things, then they're going to do that. I mean, he's just little. It's kind of sad. Grow up. <laughs> You're the man in the house now. No, the Babadook is. <laughs> True. Actually, the Babadook could be whatever they want to be. So one thing I didn't know, the Babadook is an anagram for the words, a bad book. Oh. Isn't that interesting? That's so fun. I mean, you know I love an Easter egg. The name of the Babadook is so silly. I had to say it on the phone to someone today and they laughed. How, did they see that movie? No. It sounds really hysterical when someone, it just sounds like a bunch of noises that someone is making out of context yeah. if you don't know what it is. Um... But apparently also Jen Kent, who I just shortened her name. I don't know if she likes to go by Jen. Um, My good friend Jen. She wanted it so that it was something that it seemed like a child had made up. And that it was like, crazy. Like, you know, it just is like, what are you talking? Like, those are just sounds. But did you read the theory, and I I invest in this, that Amelia wrote the Babadook? 
No. So there's this scene where she goes to a party and it's her sister is throwing a birthday party for Amelia's niece. And she's having a conversation with just like terrible rich women. Also, that scene specifically where it was the one camera shot on her and then it was flipped around. It was so like non-American filmmaking Mm -hmm. because this is an Australian movie. Yes. Seeing that scene, I was like, this is, it just felt so like English. Yeah. You know, that's very like reminiscent of like that style of their dramas and like that you have just one character in one frame and then everybody else is like ganged up while you're looking beneath them. Mm -hmm. So you're looking up towards these characters that they're supposed to be higher. So I thought that was interesting. But anyways, continue about your theory. I will. And then I had another thought, but I'll go into that after. Um, So she's talking and everyone asks like what she's doing now and if she's still writing. And someone Mm. says, what did you write? And she said, I wrote children's books. And because the the Babadook is supposed to be some sort of manifestation of her grief, but it can also be a number of different things. So it could be the different stages of the grief cycle. Mm -hmm. And we kind of see her go through all of those through to acceptance at the end. It could also be PTSD. Um, One thing that I read that I thought was really interesting was that it's just sort of general mental illness and depression. And that at the end, when she goes downstairs and feeds the Babadook, and it kind of tries to fight her, but then it goes back into the corner Mm -hmm. and she moves on, that that was supposed to be a symbolism of acceptance of, I'm not going to fight this thing and try to completely eradicate it from my life. Me and my son, or those of us in this household, have accepted that this is a thing that we have to Mm -hmm. live with. Her feeding at the earthworms was just like her tending to herself, making sure that she was dealing with this thing. Because obviously after the death of her husband, we know because people say to her, you haven't moved on and yeah. you're not dealing with it, that that is what that's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So if it is supposed to be her cycle through that, it does make sense that she would have been the quote unquote author of the Babadook. Well, and another like one of the main lines in the novel and like in the promotion and all of that was that you never get rid of the Babadook. Mm-hmm. It is this like dark lingering cloud. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, yes, you put it in the basement, you visit it because it's never going to go away and like it can diminish, but you just like kind of learn to live with it exactly. at some point. This, the, to your point about it being English though, um, it really reminded me in so many different ways of The Conjuring 2. Interesting. The Enfield Poltergeist. I think it was the whole, like, the house actually stylistically was very similar. The layout of it was really similar of those stairs and then the back mm-hmm. and then the kitchen in the back and then the, the living room where they're spending a lot of time. Yeah, you're right. Just the sort of tone of it all. It was very gray. It was very dark. Mm-hmm. The house is always extremely dark. It's very dingy. This whole focus on motherhood and how, I mean... I think in both of these instances, these are families, middle class to lower class families under intense financial and emotional stress Mm -hmm. and that these awful things are manifesting in the home. It all kind of felt very similar to me. And the Enfield Poltergeist is an English family. I I think I really need to rewatch The Second Conjuring. I haven't seen it in so long. We should watch it together. I only watched it once in the theater. We should should have a night and watch it. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, I just like... I remember that I, like, didn't like it as much as the first, but I feel like I just need to revisit it. I know you've said that, but I really like it. I think it's just because I held the first one to such a high standard. Mm. Another thing, like, continuing on with this concept of her 
tending to the Babadook in the basement. Yeah. Is there is a line towards the end that I noted is when... So Sam is talking to Amelia and I think it's like right when she comes back out for the magic trick. Sam was like, how was it? And she was like, it was quiet today. Sam was like, it's getting much better, mom. And then they smile for the first time in the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't know, this like heartwarming thing where you're like, thank God something is going right Mm -hmm. for them. And that's just another, you know, contributing idea or foundation for this whole side of mental illness. Because anybody who deals with that knows you have days where it is quite literally quiet Mm -hmm. in your mind. And then you have days where it's really fucking not. Yep. And it's different for every person. Mm -hmm. That's the good old depression side of this all. (laughs) Completely side topic. Did she actually kill the dog? I think she did. That's so sad and unfortunate. You, it just is never going to go well if there's a dog in a movie. I know. Ever. Did I ever tell you that there's a website called Does yes. the Dog Die? Yes. A very helpful website. Very helpful resource for those of you who need to know if the dog is going to die. Mm-hmm. And it will tell you if other animals are have inflicting pain or anything like that. Amazing. Did Which you is... happen to listen to the podcast that I sent you? Yes. So good, right? I am so invested right now. Yeah. I'm like, should we watch Faces of Death? I want to. Okay, we will. Okay. It's on YouTube. I know. Okay, we will watch it. I was going to watch it by myself, and I was like, I don't think that I should do that. No. The whole concept of, like, snuff films being, like, not a real thing. I feel like the audience will, our audience will enjoy this. Mm -hmm. There's a podcast called uh, You're Wrong About. It's very good. My roommate turned me on to it. And basically, they just cover different topics of sort of, like, misremembered histories. So topics that we think one thing about, but the reality of it is very different. Mm -hmm. And they did an episode about snuff films and how snuff films in and of themselves are not actually real. And that's kind of a misleading way of saying it because the definition of snuff films is something that is shot for the intention of mass or commercial production Mm -hmm. and mass production. And so there is no actual like accounts of somebody going out and killing people for the purposes of then creating a mass-produced film. Right. But there are films that feature real death that might have otherwise been caught on film. Mm-hmm. And so there's a movie called Faces of Death that is very popular. And I think I, I'm 99.9% sure that I have seen most of it. There's different ones. Okay. There's like six of them. And I've oh. seen the first. But I have a very, very uh, loose memory of it. So I'd like to watch it again. So if anyone is interested, it's on YouTube. It is... Uh, super upsetting. <laughs> like, it is... Actual death. Yes. You, yeah. like, this isn't something that's fake. Don't take this with... Or take this... No, don't take it with a grain of salt. Um, there are um, fake scenes within it. Mm-hmm. But there's real suicides and mm-hmm. other really disturbing imagery. Yes. So, I... I would like to watch it. It's so strange because I have this weird internal dilemma where i'm like does that say something about you as a consumer of this media it's so strange but then they made that very good point well because a lot of it comes from news or like you know one of them is a suicide in a city hall where they were otherwise filming or it's um footage of accidents where Mm -hmm. they're going to report anyways yeah um and other than that it's like terrorist groups Mm mm-hmm it was very interesting for them to bring up the point of we always view single deaths or where it's like violently gruesome as like not good 
to put on the news. But then we have things like 9-11 in mm-hmm. which it's not explicit death. It's very implicit, but you know everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. And that's very similar right now to what's happening in Florida with that apartment building. We're seeing all of this footage, but it's not explicit in like a way of seeing human remains, but it's implicitly death. Like, it's just death. That is interesting. I don't no, know. I don't... I don't know what it necessarily says about a person. I think that when I was hosting a true crime podcast, we would talk a lot about how I think it's just natural human curiosity. And mm-hmm. there is a thing of like, we want to confront that which terrifies us to comfort us in a way. Because yeah. if you can face it, it's like exposure therapy. I don't know. We'll watch it and we'll. Have you ever like accidentally stumbled upon. I don't, I feel like we've talked about this. Uh yeah, I've seen I've seen a couple of videos of people like accidents and people mm-hmm. dying essentially. I I don't seek them out though. No. Well, there was that one on Twitter with the uh, riot at the Capitol. Yes. In which that woman died. I watched that. I didn't see that one. Weirdly, I missed it. And then I remember being curious as to what I think this is when Unfriended came out because they used a video of live leak. But anyways, I went and looked at the website, and that in and of itself is just a death website, essentially. Ish. Ended up watching a beheading, and that was... Ooh. But also, we I've had this conversation numerous times with you, Saddam Hussein live on television. Yeah, that's why... Like, I remember that. It's coming back to haunt me. Why? It's coming up on your timeline? Yes. Oh. Have you? Did you not see the tweet I sent you? When? Like, last week. I sent it to you on the 27th. It's of the polar bears. Wait, what? Is this real? Oh, oh, this is a meme thing. Yeah, people are making jokes. Oh, I get it. I get and they it, keep I get putting. It. Why? I don't know. People are loving it. I am absolutely hating it. You're furious about it. <laughs> okay, so apparently Saddam Hussein is coming back as a meme, and <sighs> um, I feel like I'm a thousand years old because I just said the sentence. Oh, this is a meme thing. <laughs> I didn't even I didn't even clock <laughs> that it. That shit does not register for you anymore. It's too much for me. It's stupid. All right. Well, that was a side tangent about yes, snuff films. About death. Um, some fun things about this movie. The mom who played Amelia. Mm-hmm. Essie Davis. Yes. I just read that. I just did not want to say her name for some reason. Sam, who was played by a kid named Noah. He was six years old at the time. He did not film any of the horrific scenes with... Essie Davis. Oh, okay. Other than, like, the ones where they had contact. So, like, the one at the end or where she was tied up. So, any of the reverse shots where she was yelling at him, he was never on set. Oh, good. It was just her yelling at, like, a stand-in on his knees for, like, an eye eye line. But they essentially told him... Sorry. They essentially told him that they didn't want to destroy his childhood in the making of this film. So, they gave him, like, a kiddie version of oh, the movie okay. and the script. Essentially what the movie to him was was that Sam was just trying to save his mother and that it was a film about the power of love. When I look at things like that and then how the kid acts in the movie, I can see how his like character is slightly different and why he's kind of annoying because he doesn't know that this is a scary movie. At the same time, fuck the kid. <laughs> um, do you think that children should be like warned about horror movies and that they should have like a different yeah i do filming experience yeah i do i think that 
while context and intention is so important that a small child has no ability to discern what is real and what's not, it's just activating to the nervous system to have Mm -hmm. an adult yell at you. Like, if he was in those scenes, she's getting, like, viscerally and visibly shaken and upset. Mm -hmm. He shouldn't have to go through that for the filming of a movie. And I think that people sometimes kind of think, like, well, what does it matter, you know? They're just filming something. It's not real. It's art or whatever. It's blah, blah, blah. But in the grand scheme of things, this person is more important than any fucking movie that you're going to make. Like, who cares? And, like, and the opinion of a viewer. Yeah. Who is probably illegally downloading it in (laughs) and watching it in their parents' basement. Yeah. Like, the entertainment industry, I think it's such a free pass for abusing people Mm -hmm. and mistreating people and emotional manipulation like, just think of fucking The Shining and Shelley Ugh. Duvall. Like, that story is so heartbreaking. It's, and, like, I don't care for that movie. Me neither. At all. I think but we should wh- do it someday, but I don't <sighs> care for it. I don't want to. We have to. Um, No, I agree. And then also, just, like, another, like, kind of kid-related horror movie that I can think of off the top of my head is, even though they were a little bit older, the remake of It, mm-hmm. when they were filming that movie... The first time that all of them saw Pennywise was, like, the filmed reaction. Yeah, I think that's... Like, that's, like, literally, like, they are physically and emotionally scaring those children to get a reaction out of them. But and they even though they like, know, what, like, 13? Yeah, but, like, still, like, you're still, like, in that headspace of, you know... It's, like, also a first big project for a lot of those kids. For sure. For sure. I think that's, like, some undue stress. But that, to me, is different than a six-year-old. Yeah. Because 13-year-olds probably think that that is so cool. And Mm -hmm. if you were to ask any 13-year-old, hey, do you want us to show you guys ahead of time? They're all going to be like, no. But a a six-year-old has no concept of any of this. Mm -hmm. If they can't wrap their head around the concept of what it is, they shouldn't have to be exposed to it. Do you know what I just thought of that I was like, this is a great connection? What? Monsters Incorporated. Monsters fucking ink. When Sully is fake scaring that kid mm-hmm. or, you know, like doing his job, quote unquote job, and Boo sees him and she's terrified. He's like, no, no, no. Like, it's fine. That's what that reminds me of. Yeah. The kids are traumatized. Yes. Very easily. Well, yeah, I think it's like, was it the Amityville Horror, I think? Where Ryan Reynolds, like, wouldn't really interact. Maybe it wasn't the Amityville Horror. There, I'm thinking of a movie where there was a parental figure of some sort who wouldn't really interact with the kids that were playing their child because at some point they were supposed to have to scare them and have sort of a, mm. like, a detached relationship from them. And this person was like, I know that a kid is not going to have the ability to do that if I'm bonding with them. And I also just think that's bullshit. They're actors. They got hired for a reason. Mm-hmm. Now you're just going to isolate a kid and play some sort of like weird manipulative game with them where you're just going to give them a cold shoulder on set. And they also won't know why you're doing that. Right. They're not going to realize like, oh yeah, maybe this will have an emotional... This is going to make my performance so much better. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah. And like, oh yeah, like thanks for saving me 10 years down the road when I might have a flash. Like they're not thinking about that. No. They won't know trauma until it hits them in the face <laughs> 10 years later so don't try to don't try to be a savior to be a hero yes get out of here Ugh. i like that they did that for him you know what we watched the other day the witches the new the witches 
Yes. And did you watch it? Yes. That would have scared the shit out of me as a kid. Well, the original one did. Yeah, true. I don't really know. Was the I don't really think the original was as intended for children as the remake is, though. Yeah, scary aside, the movie is goddamn awful. I could I could have done without seeing it. Anne Hathaway's accent hit the bricks. No, I don't want to ever see that movie again. But they're running commercials for it now. I know. Like, more fun facts. Um, just that. Uh, William Friedkin, director of The Exorcist, yes, um, said that this was one of the best and scariest movies he's ever seen. Well, that's great. This Which movie is... did really well. Like, it was very mm-hmm. well received when it came out. It did not do well in Australia. No? No, it did poorly in Australia. Interesting. It and did I, well in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder why. I didn't, like, dig deep into that, but that's so interesting that... Mm-hmm. But that happens here. I hate all I Canadian horror say, movies. That's not... I couldn't name one Canadian horror movie right now that I liked. There was one filmed in our city with the mom from the OC. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever seen the OC. What? Yeah. For any of our listeners uh, who watched the OC, Kirsten Cohen, and I have no explanation for it, one of my sexual awakenings. The no. alcoholic mother. <laughs> I have no questions, comments. I have concerns. <laughs> I was just going to say, but many concerns. Many, many concerns. One would say, <laughs> one would say it was, I'm Baba Shook. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> I want to cut the podcast right there. Um, I did, like, with, considering with The Exorcist, I did see a lot of references to it. Mm. We had, you know, like, the shaking beds. Uh, it was very, I did find, like, watching the movie, there were so many moments where I was like, oh, that reference is this, that's this. You know, like, mm-hmm. when her, I but that's, that's all horror movies. I can't yeah. tell that that is just this movie because that's unfair to the yeah. Babadook and all of the creators of this movie because as a creative and as a person you get inspiration literally from everywhere and you copy and steal and that's how you create art yeah i don't know if it's like an actual homage to no um it just reminded me of so many other things and the like actual scary moments in this movie are pretty terrifying mm-hmm. the only thing that i didn't like and didn't care for was when you see his face in that nightmare scene where she, where he's above the bed. He's very, like, stop motion-y. Yeah. And he's not... Uh, no, he's not a super terrifying figure. No. And you know what? Unfortunately, when I see him, I think of... I guess it's not unfortunate. No. What am I thinking of? He reminds me of something from American Horror Story. Yes. But yeah, there were some of the, like, scary shots where I was, like, very impressed with. The door scene, his hand just, like, kind of jitters out. Don't like that. All of the sort of... What's what I'm looking for? Visual references to him. So she'll look and see something that kind of looks like, you know, clothes hanging up that could look like Mm -hmm. him. I thought all of those were very well done. Yeah. The, like, scenes, even though they're a little tacky, where... There's that, like, bright flash at the end on her when she's screaming. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that for some reason. Yeah. Overall, I think it's a great movie. I, somebody put it really well. I think this might have been a podcast that I listened to, or maybe it was a review. But someone said something along the lines of, this is a really good movie that is ob- objectively good, but not entertaining. And I think that's a yeah. good way of putting it because it is a difficult watch. Like, mm-hmm. the kid is grating, and he's intentionally grating on the nerves. 
the mother, you just feel so horrible for her. And then her descent into this emotional state she makes her pretty unlikable. And it's all very sad. Mm-hmm. So it's not like the most enjoyable watch, but it is a good movie. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like another one where I'm like the same thing. I kind of felt that way about Relic on Netflix. Yes. Very similar feeling to me of I can appreciate the artistic interpretation and the meaning of this. And I I liked it. It was a good movie, but I wasn't overjoyed. Like it yeah. wasn't entertaining in that way. Mm-hmm. I really liked that movie. I did too. I've recommended it to a number of people. And at the same time, I also have that feeling of watch it, but watch it knowing that the meaning behind it will tie it all together and you will think it's beautiful, but you're probably not going to watch it feeling like this is the best movie. Um, That's like I'm thinking of ending things. I have never seen that. Um, It just came out last year. It's based off of a book. I, I love the book a lot, actually. But it's about this woman and her boyfriend at the time traveling in a snowstorm in a car to go visit her parents. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Or his parents, sorry. Um, I didn't watch it, but everyone told me to, and I watched the trailer probably six times. The book was terrifying. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like supposed to be like this like horror thriller, and I feel like they miss a lot of that in the movie, even though the movie is very true to the book until the very end. I absolutely despise the end of that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's another one where it's like more of an emotional horror, where the actual story is like, is is the dark, scary part, whereas the outside of it is just, like, glitter and gold. Right. Does that make any sense? Sort of. I sort of tapped out halfway through, but I was looking at you intently, and it wasn't until you asked me if it made sense that I realized. Adding the horror aspect, I feel like just, like, sugarcoats the actual, like, oh, what, what is what you're it. dealing I with. I see what you're saying. Um, And that's where I think, like, this, like, the Babadook relic... I'm thinking of anything. It's like they're very traumatic. Even Midsummer, but, Mids- but Midsummer is like way more. I feel like it's more on the nose. Yeah, like it's not about a whole bunch of hidden meaning. They're not mm-hmm. trying to do an artistic interpretation of her grief. Her grief is very much on film. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm just gonna quickly search mental health movies. I just want to see what else they they recommend. The only, and it's kind of contradicting, but the only thing that I also don't like is that I don't think, I don't know, mental health and horror movies. And that they're supposed to be this terrifying thing. Yeah. I you can, know. I, I know that there's a lot of people who feel really upset by the, particularly the portrayal of villainizing mental illness. Mm-hmm. So if we say like, this terrifying thing happened. Take Hereditary, for example. If the reality of that is supposed to be that Annie has BPD, then we've just villainized this person as someone who like willingly murdered her husband mm-hmm. and has done terrible things. The, anybody who suffers with mental illness knows that the stigma around that is already hard enough without the media constantly portraying them this way. There's that one scene in The Babadook where she's kicking the door... Hereditary took that from this. I like that oftentimes in movies, you know, it's a very common theme that mothers lose it because it is so unsettling to see a woman antagonize her child. It's not as startling to watch a man. Right. 
I'm looking through this. The Babadook, Black Swan. Mm-hmm. Um, Requiem for a Dream, I don't think is... That's more based on addiction, and that's pretty on the note. Like, it's... That is what the movie is about. It's not hiding it. I haven't watched Requiem for a Dream in a long time, so I I've only watched it once, and I think that... Oh, someone put in the start Exorcism of Emily Rose. Oh, that's a good one. Yep. They keep saying they look like people, and I feel like I've seen that. Anyways, I feel like we can... Wrap it up. All in all, like a lot of the movies we've done, a really good movie with, for me, just a low rewatchability score. So the first time I saw it, I really loved it. I saw it fairly recently, like in the last couple of years. I wanted to show it to someone. And um, it's not something that I think you need to revisit a ton. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Should we rate it? Yes. Scary. Like six. Yeah, it got me the first time. I would say six or seven the first time I watched it. It really unsettled me, though. Oh, fuck. That's the next one. So, yeah, like scary, maybe like a five. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to stick with my six. Okay, unsettling, like I said, like a six or seven for me the first time. Yeah, I'm going to stick with still a six. Okay. Story. Eight and a half. Very well fleshed out. Mm-hmm. I liked the way that they did most things. Yeah, I'm going to go with an eight. And I... I do think that it is portrayed well. I do too. I don't think that it's troubling in any way. Some not, of the... Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, not that I'm one to speak on grief. Um, I think it does a very good job portraying yep. stages of grief and, and whatnot. And just from the standpoint of like filmography and directing, there is some really beautiful shots. Like the way that they sort of show her going to this place when she's, you know, watching television and the sound design and everything. It's really, really effective. Mm-hmm. It plays well to the story, so yeah. kudos. Well, Zach Walters, was yes. it a paper cut or was it a bloody massacre? One bowl of earthworms. I was like one too many babas and babadook, but then I was like it's just baduk. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stick with that. Baduk. One too many long fingers. I'm I'm over it. One too many Kringers. One too many Kringers. And for those who won't listen to the Krampus episode because you're cowards. Yeah. You don't like a bad movie. (laughs) I wish, like, quite honestly, one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. It's so funny to me. You know what I just realized? You're a year older. Oh, yeah. It was my birthday. Yeah. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Um... But we were also going to do a spoof episode for your birthday. Oh, shit. We were, too. Next year. Yep. <laughs> um, well, you guys know where to find us, so you can go to all those places and find us. <laughs> that sounds... Don't come in and physically find us. Please. No, 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 no. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, fi- so, uh, social media only. Yeah. Um, we are very likely, for this summer at the very least, going to go down to a bi-weekly schedule. So you can expect to see us every second Wednesday. We just need some time. Mm-hmm. Get some, get some rays. Post vax girl summer. Yes, both of us are bully vaxed, baby. Go out, do your duty. Until next time. You can't get rid of the Babadook.